0: Welcome to the Compounding Center Connections podcast, where we talk to different healthcare practitioners about conditions that a lot of our patients are seeing and dealing with. I'm your host Megan Kilcary. I'm one of the pharmacists here at the Compounding Center in Leesburg, and today we are partnering with um, our consulting pharmacist Jim Paoletti, who has over 30 years' experience in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. in clinical practice as a consultant and as an educator. Um, So, Jim, uh, we're going to be talking to you today about different types of um, hormone testing methods and also some estrogen metabolism. Um, But can you start out and uh, introduce yourself to our viewers and our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure can. Um, I graduated from The Ohio State University way long time ago, back in 76, as a pharmacist. I was involved with uh, compounding a certain degree, even as an, as an intern in pharmacy school, kind of had a knack for it. Um, so I got involved with Professional Compounding Centers of America, worked as a consultant there for years, uh, went and became educational director for ZRT Laboratories uh, for five years and uh, got on the faculty of the Fellowship of Functional Medicine. Was blessed there to have the opportunity um, instead of paying me money to lecture. I asked if I could take the classes. So I am an advanced fellow in functional medicine. Um, I, I really am blessed in that sense. Um, I've been working on hormones now. This is my 40th year that I've been doing wow. it. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I look a lot younger than I really am. <laughs> so that's my background. I just really enjoy what I'm doing. I am unable to retire. Yeah. I,
2: can't
1: I just can't stop helping patients because it's just so rewarding that I'm going like, I told the Lord, if I have the physical mental strength that you give me to do this, I'll just keep doing as long as you want me.
0: Well, I'll let our viewers and our listeners know we've been um, partnering with Jim for years and he has been an invaluable asset to us um, as far as, uh, you know, doing um, consults and um, helping us interpret a lot of um, complicated laboratory testing when it comes to, um, you know, hormones. So um, we're going to get into that a little bit today, and perfect that Jim has a extensive background um, with ZRT uh, laboratory testing, and um, we're going to start right into it from there. So, uh, Jim, talk to me a little bit about some of the different um, options for testing and, and the testing methods um, that are out there.
1: Probably the most commonly used is conventional serum testing or blood draw from your arm where they're getting venous blood. Um, Saliva testing is a possibility. Capillary blood, where you prick your fingertip and collect drops of blood on a collection card is another method. And of course, urine testing is available. Those are the four types of testing that are used.
0: Great. Um, When do you recommend using one test versus another for a patient?
1: Well, we'd have to talk test by test pros and cons. So where do you want to start? Which type yeah. of test do you want to start with?
0: Yeah. Conventional so, serum testing? Yeah, I think probably most of our patients um, that go to their um, you know, practitioners to you know, have their hormones checked are probably steered in the direction of serum testing. So um, well, let's start there and tell us what, what you think about that.
1: Pros and cons. Uh, it is covered by insurance in most cases. It is accepted as a gold standard. Doctors are very familiar with what can be tested. Um, those are all good. Um, there are some disadvantages. Once you're on hormones, that may not be the best route to check. Uh, for instance, if you are using a topical hormone, it is not gonna show up in the venous serum. Uh, mm-hmm. The venous serum is a waste system, of the, or the sewer system of the body to eliminate weights and excess. So putting something in the body that belongs there, that is normally metabolized in the body, it's not like a drug where you're, you're trying to eliminate it because it's a poison, it's a foreign substance. You're gonna use that up, metabolize it. It should not be seen in any great quantity in the venous serum. Same thing with vaginal application, it's gonna show up some, but not to the degree um, that's gonna help you adjust dosages. So if you're on those forms, it's not gonna work. If you're on an oral progesterone, the progesterone uh, level would work in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the limited ones that you're actually on a hormone that the serum can be used if you're not on hormones serum can be used but there's a little reservation on my part there most labs still use the same process for measuring testosterone and DHEA that was developed for male
2: mm-hmm. it is
1: not sensitive and accurate enough for females and I can prove that by the simple fact that if you take some, one of the larger labs, their normal range for testosterone in women is 14 to 76. Mm-hmm. For every woman from puberty to death, testosterone levels do not stay the same your whole life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And therefore, I need to know when I test your testosterone, where are you compared to the average person your age? And where are you compared to the average 20 or 25 year old when your testosterone level is optimal? I can't answer those questions if your lab range is the same for all ages. Mm-hmm. So, the, and the reason that occurs is because it's not a system of tests, they can't do what should be done and give age differentiated ranges. In other words, here's your average range for 20, 29, 30, 39, etc. So it's hard. Now, if you did a test testosterone, you came back really low. Yeah, you're low. But if you're not, if you're somewhere in the first third or half of that range, I can't tell you where you're at. Right. And DHA not as bad, but same thing. You're looking at one normal range for all adult women, makes it very difficult to interpret. Mm-hmm. So, but I can I can use it for progesterone and estrogen if women are not on those hormones.
0: Mm-hmm. So that'll lead us into our hormone patients, where we generally recommend saliva testing as as the best best method of testing. And and I know. From working with you you know you have an extensive background you know in in, uh, saliva testing and so um so talk to us a, a, a little bit about saliva testing and why you like that and the pros and cons of it
1: yeah one of the real advantages that you know if i if i could somehow stick a needle or take a laser and point it somewhere in the body to measure a hormone i would go right to the tissue where the hormone receptor is right where the active hormone works and i would measure the active form the free or unbound form. Mm
2: -hmm. When
1: you do like serum testing, you're looking at the total free, the bound and unbound put together, unless they specifically order a free hormone, which is seldom done. Uh, Saliva, you're looking at a representation of the free hormone in the tissue. Wow, that's the active form where it works. That's the best measurement. How's this hormone getting to your tissue receptors where you need it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Other advantages are with saliva, I can measure, cortisol throughout the day. And if you have adrenal issues, you need a good measurement of cortisol throughout the day to get your cortisol output pattern. And you can only do that if you're doing urine or saliva. You cannot mm-hmm. do the serum. Um, first of all, serum only does it once or twice a day. And, and their normal range in the mornings is over a two hour range, cortisol changes so much in the first two hours. I'm going like, hey, everybody's gonna be normal. That doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help me. With with ZRT saliva, for example, they'll graph it out. They show you exactly where the cortisol should be every half hour. And your results are plotted according to what time you tested. So you know exactly where you're at. So it's a clear-cut picture. The disadvantage of saliva is sometimes people have a hard time collecting saliva, Mm -hmm. drug syndrome, syndrome, something like that. Um, And if you have any bleeding disorders, gum bleeding disorders, you cannot Mm -hmm. any contamination of blood. In there, or throws your levels way off. There's so much more hormone in the blood than there is in saliva. Um, I know at ZRT what they do there. The, the people who uh, examine the package when they open up, if there is a slightest trace of pink color to that saliva, that's it. They can't test mm-hmm. it. I'll tell you right then. No, we need to. We know we need to go a different route or clear up whatever's causing the blood disorder first. So that's a disadvantage.
0: Sure. What about um, for patients who are using? Um, like an oral form of their hormone, like in a, a troche form or like a sublingual drop form, is the saliva testing an issue yeah. for them?
1: Good point. Um, oral capsules are okay, but yeah, no, if you're holding the hormone in your mouth for buccal or sublingual dis- uh, absorption, whether it's a troche lozenge drops, you're going to get a local buildup of that hormone, So Mm -hmm. you can't test that hormone. Now, you may be able to test other hormones, but I just recommend in general, if you're using a buccal or subliminal administration, uh, we're going to go a different route, most commonly capillary blood.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, the third method of testing um, that you mentioned was urine. So when do you like to use urine testing or do you use it at all in your patients?
1: I do use it, uh, but not the way other people are using it. Urine testing is looking at metabolites, not mm-hmm. the actual hormone. Um, so if you're, you're baseline, you're not using any hormones, urine will show me whether you're deficient or not, um, measure the cortisol. So it can give me the same information as saliva tests would do. I don't use urine because it's usually 100 to $150 more for the same test. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting any additional information. Now other people say, well, you're getting the estrogen metabolites to see if they're safely metabolized. And we'll talk about that later. I don't agree with measuring metabolites before you're taking estrogen, if you're deficient, because your ratio you produce the metabolites may vary once you're on it. Mm-hmm. So i like to live up front, it's less expensive, the patient gives me the same information. But mm-hmm. urine is very useful for other aspects. If you wanna measure your iodine, if you wanna measure neurotransmitters, you wanna measure mm-hmm. heavy metals, excellent job on those. Um, mm-hmm. Now I use GRT neurotransmitter profile a lot and has had some great results using it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Great. Um,
0: when should a person, male or female, um, seek out hormone testing, you know, in, um, like a perimenopausal state, should they wait till they're in menopause, postmenopausal? When do you normally recommend, um, uh, you know, a person to, to do testing?
1: Ideally when they're 25 and everything's great and they're balanced, uh get a baseline I, I, yeah i had my daughter i told my i made my daughter a deal when she went to college i'm going to pay for your education as long as two conditions nothing lower than a B, and you got to spit for me three times
2: yeah
1: i want over the next three years i want three tests. now when she becomes perimenopausal she doesn't have to go oh, here's the general range that you should be in no here, here your number exactly yeah. so in the ideal world yeah and i've told a lot of my patients who have offspring, yeah, get your offspring tested now while everything's good. Okay. Right, at least right. once. But no, for general purposes, when women get an impairmentopause as soon as they start showing symptoms. Now as far as what testing they should do, that varies. I tell people the first thing I would have to do is fill out our health questionnaire, mm-hmm. get that for me. Let me look it over. Instead of saying what a general person you know the average person your age should test, let me look at your specific situation. What's going on with you? And I'll recommend testing for you. There are cases where we don't have to measure everything. Okay, so I like to individualize it. But anywhere in that, as soon as you start, if a woman starts having irregular cycles, time to check. If she start having symptoms of hormone balance at 32 and 38, yeah, check then. Now, we may not check the same things. I've had a lot of patients this past year, between 20 and 35. And most cases, it was either stress and or neurotransmitters, nothing wrong with their estrogen progesterone. So again, mm-hmm. once I look at the health evaluation, I determined what they have to measure and how best to measure it. But I always talk options with patients.
0: Right. How often do you like to recommend someone have testing done um, yearly?
1: We mean once they're on hormones? Yeah. In most cases, most physicians that are prescribing the hormone um, that agree to my recommendation, they're going to want to follow up test. And they vary. Some of them six months, sometimes a year, sometimes two years. But sooner or later, they're going to want to make sure that you have physiological levels. I have no such requirement.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, I've been doing this for years. I tweak a lot of dosing based on what? Symptom response. Right. I get stuck sometimes. i say, okay, we need to retest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, for the most part, I don't have a set requirement. But Honestly, a lot of patients, they want to see their test results sometimes six months, a year and They want to see where their levels are. Right. So most of the time, I'm just guiding patients on what tests to do. They, just, they or their doctor decide when to do that first follow-up test.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, if you are already on hormone replacement therapy, is there anything that you should um, stop or know about prior to, you know, it, to retesting?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of patients that get confused on that. That's an excellent question. No, you don't want to stop your hormones. That would be like if you're going in to see your doctor and you take a blood pressure medication every morning, you're going to go in and he's going to take your blood pressure. Would you skip your dose that morning?
0: Right, absolutely
1: not. No, absolutely not. You're going in to measure your thyroid. Do you skip your dose that morning? No, it's not going to show the level that you get every day from it. So what I want, if you're already on hormones, for the most part, in general, I would say, I want to see where your levels are from what you're on. Now, sometimes if they're on excessive hormone, and I know it to begin with, I will actually taper them down on the hormones for a while, maybe a month, six weeks, and then have them test. But I always want them, if they've been using hormones, to be on the hormone. But I like to go over specifically with them, you know, when to do the last dose before you test, collect your saliva or capillary blood or whatever, um, you know, and, and make sure they're doing it right. So, but I do that on an individual basis. But yes, yeah, stay on your hormones. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, anything that you want to finish up? Where we're going to move on to our our next topic about well, estrogen to metabolism. Capillary
1: blood testing. Since we've hinted mentioned it a couple of times, we're going to talk pros and cons of that. Yeah. Oh, capillary, okay. Capillary blood is again, it, it's a blood spot collection. You you prick right. your finger and put drops of blood on a card. Let it dry. It's perfectly stable. The advantage of that is when you're using a sublingual dosage form. Capillary blood represents the blood that's taking everything to the tissues normally. Um, Nutrition, oxygen, hormones. So Mm -hmm. you're measuring it on the weight of the tissue. So it's a good representation of what hormone gets the tissue. Doesn't Mm -hmm. really get job of that. Um, Its advantages are there's some things we can check in blood that you cannot check in saliva. Larger proteins like thyroid, vitamin Mm -hmm. C. If if I have a male, and, and I'm considering testosterone replacement for this male, I want to get a baseline PSA and hematocrit because those have to be monitored. Right? you can do that spot. So the blood spot offers a lot of advantages. I think you're going to the the number of things that they're testing in capillary blood keep increasing every year. Mm-hmm. I think in a few more years, you're going to see this more commonplace where people are just going to be pricking their finger at home and testing all kinds of things. I just mm-hmm. did a cardiometabolic risk profile in blood spot. It's fantastic. It looks at all these risk factors. Why? Well, I'm now older than my father lived to be. And either one of my grandfathers, all three of which died of heart attacks. So I thought maybe i ought to look at those risks. Oh yeah. So, you know, there, are, there are certain things you can test, but as far as hormones go, the real advantage is if you're on a sublingual dosage form, the disadvantage, you gotta be careful. If you touch your, that hormone cream that you're applying against your fingers at all, right. you, you can have that hormone in that tissue for up to seven days. So I always tell people, if you're using a topical and you go capillary blood, Always put latex gloves on, or non-latex gloves if you're allergic to it, mm-hmm. before you open that kit up and start handling things. Right. you can get that hormone on the edge of that tube, and next thing you know, you've got contaminated samples. So that's right. like one disadvantage there. But you can work around that.
0: Right, right. Um, I will tell our, our viewers and our listeners, if you're local here to us in the area, um, we do um, stock saliva and capillary blood tests here um, through ZRT laboratories. Um, that's our, our preferred method of testing. And as, as I mentioned earlier, we partner with Jim. Um, and so that's uh, what he helps to interpret for us and our patients. Um, so if you're local to us and you're interested in this kind of testing, feel free to stop into our pharmacy at any time and pick up a um, saliva um, or blood spot test kit uh, from us. Um, and we can, we can guide you through a consultation process um, from there. Um, so the other thing, uh, Jim, in the last few minutes that we have, that we wanted to talk about was a little bit about estrogen metabolism. Um, I know we have a lot of, um, women that come to us, um, that are nervous about starting hormones. Um, they have, uh, breast cancer risk in their family. Um, and so they're, they're hesitant. Um, so talk to me a few minutes about helping the practitioner and the patient, um, determine, you know, how estrogen is metabolized and, and kind of allay their fears a little bit when it comes to being on hormone replacement therapy with regards to breast cancer?
1: Well, first I have to say that what I do, balancing bioidentical hormones at physiological levels has been done in Asia and Europe for 50 or 60 years. And there's not a single report or study in all that time that shows it increases the risk of breast cancer. Breast cancer risk is due primarily to the improper way we've done estrogens in conventional therapy in the U.S. That said, every woman, including you, Megan, makes bad estrogen metabolites, Mm -hmm. four catechophanones that can damage DNA and initiate cancer. And that's how hormonal cancers are initiated. The really good thing, it's a minute percentage. It's somewhere Mm -hmm. between 0.01 and 0.1% of your estrogen metabolites go down that pathway that's it you always want to keep it at that very very low percentage there are a number of things you can do nutritionally lifestyle as far as avoid trans fats uh, uh, avoid lip, activating lipid peroxidase etc uh, lack of iodine there's a number of nutritional things in fact if a woman's concerned with breast cancer i'll just i'll give her a copy of my chapter on safe estrogen metabolism for my book and say read through this there's and then everybody has to decide how far do i want to go i can give you at least a dozen things, lifestyle and nutritional supplements, you can do here steer that to safe estrogen metabolite. Let's steer it to conjugation. Let's steer it to methylation. Let's steer it to all the processes that exist in the body that safely metabolizes it. That's easy to do, okay? Right. So I, I, there's things like esterol, E3. I use that in a lot of women. They're now studying esterol to Treat women to prevent reoccurrence of breast cancer, and they're yeah. now looking at it to treat breast
2: cancer. It's actually been
1: compared to tamoxifen in a study and showed equally effective. So there's we're learning more all the time. But um, I don't get hung up on this 2OH: 16OH ratio. I'm sorry, that ignores the most important thing. What's your 4OH? If a woman is concerned, I will say, look, let's get you on the estrogen for at least two weeks, if not three or four weeks. Now let's measure your metabolites and see how you're metabolizing it. We'll tell you to make too much of the 4OH, and then we'll go deep on how to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, other women choose just to go ahead and take at least you know, some resveratrol, green tea extract, um, NAC. There are some nutrients that have shown very beneficial in preventing the formation of four catecholpanoids. So there's a lot we can do to eat yeah. But I think the most important thing is start with a therapy That doesn't increase your risk.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the big message that, you know, we want to convey to women is that, you know, hormone replacement therapy does not cause breast cancer or does not cause, you know, any other or increase your risk of any other types of cancer. Um, as Jim was saying, you know, it, uh, there's the new research that's out there now is, is showing that it's, um, you know, potentially uh, used as treatment now and, and, and hoping to ward that off. So, um, you know, please don't let that scare you off, you know, from considering hormone replacement therapy. Um, Jim, anything else uh, we should know about as far as estrogen replacement?
1: Not this time. Just this. Estrogen is, but Cap, the researcher Cavallari termed it this way. Estrogen is the angel of death. Estrogen is the angel of life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In other words, It has so many protective benefits. It works together with progesterone, protecting the brain, the heart, the cardiovascular system, the nervous system, the bone, it's wonderful. If you don't do it wrong, Right. done incorrectly, now it increases your risk. We don't go there.
0: Right, absolutely. Well, I think that's a a great way to end this uh, segment with you. So thank you for um, your invaluable insight into these topics. And um, for those of you who are are tuning in, um, stay tuned, we have uh, several more um, topics that we're gonna be discussing at later dates with uh, Jim Paoletti here. Um, And uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to either one of us. We'll provide both of our email addresses um, at the end of this presentation.
2: And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Jim, thanks again so much. Thank you, Megan.